Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics podcast. I'm your host, Dana Kubal. Today, I have me a very special returning guest, Clayton Snyder. Clayton, how are you doing today? Good, thanks. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm so excited that I could have you back. Um, you know, we met earlier in season one for this podcast, and I think you were like number seven or something like that. It was pretty early, six or seven, and I thought I'd only get like maybe 10 people to talk to me, and now here we are like three, almost three seasons later, and um, I'm actually all full up for season three, so I already have a, like a waiting list up until season four for next year, so we've, we've come a long way. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, but we want the audience just to make sure that, you know, you do go back and check out, um, my first interview with Clayton. We had some really good stuff. Well, Clayton did, um, my questions were okay, but he had a a lot of really cool things to say about two of his previous books that I have read, um, River of Thieves, Cold West, and I can't remember, oh, um, Demons Inc. Um, so just make sure you definitely go in, in the description here. I'll put that interview as well. So please make sure you guys go and take a look at that interview as well as the description to check out Clayton's works that we've talked about before. Uh, Clayton, anything super crazy going on since, you know, the last time we saw each other? I know you got Blackthorn, some other books, but anything, you know? Uh, nothing too crazy. Uh, yeah, you know, I I, I finished Blackthorn. I kind of took, I, I've actually kind of taken a break, but now I'm working on, um, uh, project I can't quite talk about yet, and oh, that's <laughs> and, uh, exciting for me. <laughs> yep, I got one of those, and uh, cool. and I am doing a bunch of research because I want to try my hand at uh, either a, a heroic or an epic fantasy, which is new ground for me. So, oh, that would be so cool. So to to actually write characters that you know aren't completely broken in some way <laughs> it's, it's <quite> new. <laughs> so. well that that the, those both of those things excites me a lot um that sounds really really cool i could definitely see your style of writing making that very unique and very exciting for the reader so you already sold one there so don't worry <laughs> awesome it's awesome <laughs> Uh, so I'm just going to let the audience know right now, Clayton's definitely one of my favorite authors. Um, if you read Rob J. Hayes, um, Michael R. Fletcher, um, uh, Clayton actually, um, co-wrote Norisco Groans. Did I say it right that time? Yep. Yep. Oh, yes. I've been practicing, <laughs> uh, but he co-wrote Norisco Groans, uh, with Michael R. Fletcher. So I haven't read it yet. It's actually on my list for 2023 right now. So I'm really excited. Um, I think I actually have, I have you for, I think technically speak, I have you on three times then um which is pretty cool um but yeah Clayton's one of my favorites um Cold West has to be one of my top three reads within the last 10 years um I've been poking fun at Clayton for a while I'm like just I want to be a patron right like old school like Da Vinci like I just pay you and you just give me the book (laughs) if I win the lottery like that's what we're doing I'm just gonna be like 10 grand just write me like five Cold Wests and We'll call it good, but I highly recommend to our audience to check out Cold West in particular. It's one of my absolute favorites. River of Thieves was another one as well. Uh, but Clayton, we'll get go ahead and start talking um, with the questions for some of your newer things like Blackthorn. So what is your book Blackthorn about for our audience? Oh, boy. Uh, Blackthorn is about a young man who discovers he can talk to ghosts, but it's set in That's sort of a story. secondary That's cyberpunk type world. Um, and the cyberpunk is all built around uh, insects, so it's it's insectile attack, it's insectile vehicles, it's even the weaponry is somewhat based on insects. Uh, 
and then the the title or the the trying to think of the word here <laughs> blackthorn itself is a this kind of large conglomerates mercenary company that handles all the military actions for what are called freeholds and um what they do is is they kind of ensure the security of the freeholds but at the same time they're persecuting a war against these sort of native people uh in the hardlands and it's it's a little bit about how all of that meshes together to uh affect matthias's life so i was just gonna say for the audience like i started reading it um when my son was still sleeping and now he's not so it's been a little <laughs> harder um and I, I jumped a couple of books that I was supposed to finish um so i'm definitely going back to it very soon i'm trying to finish some things in front of it um for different authors for reviews and things but yeah i i was just so interested in your blurb and you know, I like I said, I've I've read some of your other books. Absolutely loved them. I actually haven't read a book of yours that I haven't absolutely loved. Um, so I was just, but I was so surprised when I started. I mean, I had to have gone through fifty pages, like just like that. I mean, it was like so quick. Oh, wow. Um, and like every every time my son fell asleep, I like had my phone out on my Kindle and I was <laughs> reading it. Which my wife was like, isn't that the guy that you bought that book? Like you had to have the paperback. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, but um, yeah, but I think you had like 99 cents or something. So I was like, well, I'm going to get it for Kindle too. Uh, it just makes it easier, you know, holding him. But yeah, I just was so surprised though um, with reading the blurb, knowing your style. It was just so still refreshing and unique. Um, the different ideas like you just talked about, like they sounded so cool. But I was curious at how you were going to put them together. And I have to say, I was very pleasantly surprised um, because it just felt like, you know, you talk about the, those, you know, a couple different things and you're like, yeah, you could get those together. But instead of gluing them together, I feel like you really seamlessly put them together in a very unique, like cyberpunk, you know, realm, like grimdark fantasy almost where, you know, sci-fi and grimdark fantasy meet. I mean, it is very seamless and it's just such a cool world that you built. So I guess my first follow-up question is, are you able to say, would you maybe consider writing another story or? You yeah, know, I actually, um, I, I've had enough people ask now. I think, I think at this point uh, I've been, I've been workshopping the idea for the second book. So, and it's, uh, it's going to be more of a John Wick feeling when it gets there. Yeah. So <laughs> I definitely want to expand the world. I want to expand on Blackthorn. I want to expand on, on Matthias's skill set. And I wanted to do it in a way that was, you know, he had left these loose ends behind and now they're going to come after him. Oh, nice. So, um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's not just, you know, uh, it's not just a where is he going. He definitely knows where things are going. You know, by the beginning of the book, it's it's how he gets to the end. So that's awesome. Well, you know, you know, right? What to say to this book nerd? I tell you, it brought in <laughs> John Wick into this circumstance. Holy moly! That just like blew my mind to a lot of possibilities of things you can do. So, well, that's really awesome. That's it's super cool. 
I think anytime anybody throws John Wick at me, I'm like, yep, that's that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly in a sci because I've always wanted to see that type of character, you know, in a sci-fi or cyberpunk, you know, type of setting. And I feel like people have tried to do that in the past, but haven't quite hit the, you know, the mark um for certain books I've read. You know, they gotten pretty close, but um yeah, I think that that yeah, that just sounds awesome. <laughs> sounds amazing. Uh so for the number the second one there for number two. And I'm really interested in this one personally as a writer. How did you come up with the idea of Blackthorn? And how did you decide you were going to write a science fiction story mixed with different elements of fantasy? Okay, so the second part is actually will lead easier into the first. Um, so I've, I've always really loved uh, the Magitech side of things from Final Fantasy. Oh, yeah. And uh, I wanted to write something kind of based around that. And the, the original idea for Blackthorn was based on um, <clears throat> kind of these these classes of mercenaries called callers. And they could do different things. Like they could call down mechs from like pocket dimensions and then hop into them. And, and that's how they would do combat. Um, you know, any individual mercenary could be worth an entire battalion of guys just being able to do that. Yeah. yeah. And it just kind of evolved from there. Um I kind of kept the idea of the Magitech and I kept the idea of the mercenaries, but I wanted to do something bigger than what I originally had planned. And that's where, where, you know, the insectile stuff kind of came from. And, and I had smaller elements of it and, and Fletcher was one of my first readers and he had read, you know, probably the first six chapters or something. And when he came back to me, he said, you really got to lean into this insect thing because it's different. Nobody else is doing it. Yeah. It's, going to give you you know a, a good strong feeling to the book so yeah that's that's kind of how we got there yeah that's really cool well i, I think it i just want to bring up for our audience because i you know so many people they're like oh i want to do the you know the popular thing and you know the more authors and readers that i talk to and personally i talk to a lot of them in a day um let alone a week a month and a year and what I'm hearing more and more, particularly with indie, sci-fi, fantasy, cyberpunk, dystopian, whatever, is that people want more unique stories. And I think a lot of the, I think I had a conversation privately with another author about this. I think a lot of it actually comes from Netflix's mold right now and how, you know, a lot of the, you know, a, a good way to put it, a lot of the, like, I, you know, I saw a movie that I liked was, was Ryan Reynolds. And I think the kid that's playing Percy Jackson on Disney plus, um, you oh, know, sure. and yeah, you know, it was like the Adam project or whatever. Yep. Great, great movie. It was fun. Had a lot of cool tech. I felt that it was definitely not a four or five stars out of five because it would just felt flat. And it felt like you had a bunch of people got in a room was like, Oh, Hey, what's, what's cool. What's not. And then banged out something we're like, oh, we're going to attach Ryan Reynolds to it. And I felt like they really missed an opportunity to make a true, a true masterpiece. Yeah, and it, was, it, was, it was definitely missing a certain a certain charisma or you. something. You yep, know? thank you. It was just missing something, you know. And I think, you know, there's so many things that they have like that now on Netflix where I think they're just trying, you know. And again, I think they're putting, my friend made a good point. He's like, they're just putting a lot of people in a room together. And, you know, one person doesn't have that arc in mind. And, you know, they're not trying to be unique. They're trying to take what was good from Marvel or whatever and here and here and there and put this together and try to come up with some conglomeration cookie that you're supposed to eat every time. And it's supposed to taste like grandma's cookies. And it just doesn't. And I think that, you know, like what Fletcher said to you is 
you know, to me, like when I saw the cover, I like immediately knew I was like, oh, this is going to be unique. And, you know, then I read your blurb and I'm like, OK, you could see where, you know, visually see where your story was going to be, you know, much more unique than some other people's that have tried maybe something similar. Um, there was a really cool movie where they used like ghost technology on Netflix a couple years ago. I'm totally blanking on what's called, but it was amazing writing and it was really, really cool. And that's what your book reminded me of before I got, you know, to reading it. And it was, um, I'm totally going to blank out what this movie's called. I'm going to have to send it to you, but it was really cool. Um, but yeah, it re- you know, it really reminded me of that story. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, you had a lot of elements in there that were really unique. Um, the mercenary company, you know, being one of them. Um, so for me, like, I was like, okay, here's something that I enjoy a couple of things. And, you know, I, I knew you were going to pull them together, you know, in a way that was, you know, really appealing and came up with a unique story and you know i was talking with about a friend of river of thieves recently and i gave it to him and i'm like just just read it and he asked me and i was like it's got these elements this this and that i'm like just do it and he came back and was like this was fantastic and i'm like well what would you like about it and he's like well you know you have these typical D characters that you know are you know have things that are changed about them that make them unique um you know and he's like i really liked how the story was told he goes and it wasn't like your typical you know he's like i felt like it was like a typical D story with thieves but it and heist but it was brought up on its head to be something different and i'm like thank you and i think personally like more and more people like myself we want those types of stories and i think fletcher had you know a great point there because i really am liking the the insect and the tech part of it to me, it's just, it's so cool. I'm like, my writer brain has been trying to take notes <laughs> on, you know, lean into my uniqueness more. And I, yeah, I think yeah. and he is, uh, you know, his, his thing is always, he's always kind of banged on about, um, you know, find the thing that makes your story unique or, or, yeah. or find something that nobody has done before or something somebody has done before, but flip it on its head. Mm-hmm. And then that's, you know, and you can see it in his work too, uh, between yeah. manifest delusions or, or, or Blackstone heart or any of those those novels he takes conventional fantasy stuff when he flips them or he distorts them in such a way that they're they're you know impossible to look away from they're incredibly interesting yeah. and that's you know that's that's it's great advice yeah so. well, i always think of cameron's uh you know maleficent seven i mean you know here you take these yeah. traditional characters you know and you add a cool you know unique aspect to it and you know i think that yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, you guys are really good models for, you know, being able to do that. And, you know, people don't want to read the same old, same old, like, war, you know, Warhammer is great, you know, and um, I feel like, you know, like Rob and I were just talking, Rob J. Hayes and I were just talking about that because they're doing open submissions for Black Library. And I'm like, okay, well, what can I do to be unique, but still, you know, follow these things in this world. So, you know, Rob was giving me some tips and you know, and he's like said the same thing as Michael pretty much. And he's like, Hey, I just kind of lean into the things that make your, you know, writing style or what you find interesting about that world. And, you know, the use of whatever these parts are and the rest will follow. So I think that's really great advice. Well, that's, Oh, I'm really, really enjoying your book. So I'm really anxious for this third question. Cause I'm finally, I told you privately, right. I'm writing my own sci-fi novel. So I'm really interested in this answer for this question from you. For that third one, when it comes to the sci-fi technology in your book, how did you come up with these ideas? Uh, a little bit of combination of everything. Um, you know, I, I grew up reading like William Gibson and uh, mm. 
of Stevenson. And so obviously the uh, Alec George Effinger, um, all those are, are fantastic uh, base books for kind of future tech or, or for any of that stuff. Uh, but, you know, honestly, too, I've been working in tech for over 20 years. Yeah. So a lot of that is just kind of seeing how tech works, seeing the progression of it, and then and then kind of extrapolating from that. Hey, what would what would happen? You know, forty, fifty, hundred years from now, or what would happen if we used this as a power source instead, or you know, any of those things. So it's interesting. Sorry, I'm writing that down because I'm definitely gonna because I was just <laughs> trying. Well, I was funny that you said that, and it's so funny how when I talked about this with a friend of mine recently. Um, I talk about my writing questions and things and the things that I'm, you know, struggling with. And I said, sometimes I feel like doing these interviews is almost like serendipitous because that's one thing that I've struggled with recently. And I've been trying to ask myself, you know, like with my mech, like Marine, like guys, I'm like, okay, well, what sort of tech would be, you know, like, what, what do we want to do today, you know, to improve, you know, our soldiers or you know their ability to stay alive in these dangerous situations and what if you have different alien species come in who are bigger stronger faster and have more natural weapons than you you know and how are you going to be able to do those things um you know and stay alive um or protect earth or something like that so i just think it's funny that you mentioned that because i was just trying to figure out ways to come up with those things so i think you make a really good point about thinking about current tech seeing how it works and then kind of amplifying it from there so well and, and you know part of blackthorn is is building on because it is insect based part of it is building on you know what what's what's what are an insect predator's natural weapons or what are an insect that's uh, cool you know what what are an insect's natural defenses and that sort of thing and uh just like they use they they all wear carapace armor because carapace is typically you know, at least in the black fern world, it's acid proof. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, <clears throat> the word just, it's ballistic resistant. It's, you know, oh. yeah, it's, it's all these things that, that allow them to survive better in the world. Um, you know, it's not necessarily magic proof, which is why the witches are such a foil to the soldiers. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so there's, there's all of that. And there is a history there. Um, of Blackthorn mercenary companies before Blackthorn became Blackthorn of uh, fighting each other, you know, the, the Rangers and the, and the Red Hands and all that. So, which is all, you know, incidental world building stuff, but yeah. yeah, It's really cool. I, I guess one question I have is um, that was meaning to ask me privately, but I'll just do it as a follow-up now. So is the Kerpress armor um, is that uh, made by them or is that already from the different insects and they just like kind of turn it into armor? I was just curious about that. Yeah, it's, it's manufactured from insect shell. So well, that's cool. Um, it's such a, you know, such a, such a cool world building thing that I always talk about the ideas that are so simple. They're genius, you know, and that's one where it's like, that's, that makes sense. Right. Cause that's going to be a byproduct from, these insects and that just it makes it really unique which are you know they're they're obviously all megafauna because they, they they're building these titan mechs out of them they're building yeah. you know aircraft out of them and all that so and that's that's really something i never really get into that deep because it is again it's more incidental world building than it is directly related to the story itself but yeah it's it's there um you know i mentioned that that matthias's father uh, actually worked in a rendering plant where they turned out max and all that so 
Yeah, yeah. It's cool. I just want to point that out to the audience because we, we um particularly for season two, like we had a lot of talks on how to make world building feel deeper, you know, without having to tell the audience. And, you know, we always talk, um, you know, about the, you know, that iceberg metaphor or model. And I think that really says a lot right there, you know, that they're using this armor, you know, they're using these, you know, bigger mechs, you know, these weapons and airships and things like you said, and to me, that just, it makes sense and you don't even really have to say it. So that was one of the things that I guess as a reader, as I was going through the first 50 pages, I just automatically assumed that, you know, they were taking, you know, these things from the insects and then just applying them to their own tech. So yep. that just, to me, it was just really cool world building. It, it was honestly one of the things that just kept me going because uh, I just wanted to see what other things you were going to do, you know, <laughs> adapting you know, the insects into the, you know, the story building uh, and the world building, the storytelling and the world building. So, yeah, it was super, super cool. like that a lot. Uh, so for that fourth one, what is a cadre necromancer and what sort of skills or powers do they have? Okay, so uh, cadres are basically just um, squads. Uh, but they're built of different people, different talents. So typically you'll have, you know, your recon guy, you'll have your sniper, you'll have your heavy weapons, you'll have your, your grunts. And then you'll also have, uh, if they're, if they do have a necromancer attached, that's, he'll be the the last member of the squad. And his job is more or less to manipulate any ghosts he find on, uh, finds on the battlefield. Um, you know, as far as skills or powers, they can talk to ghosts, they can, actually disperse ghosts um because of the chips in their head they can take on a variety of combat roles um as long as they have those chips uh they can actually be quite knowledgeable about things again as long as the chips exist uh and the last one is they they can raise the dead but it has not been done in a long time mm. it's kind of taboo now so because it's it's not it's considered unethical to shove a ghost back into a uh you know a rotting corpse so yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool that's like a cool fantasy like you know classic fantasy trope right or something mm -hmm. that you know a necromancer can do which yeah which is cool like you just said like you turned it into you know taboo into this world building thing as well so that's cool how you got you know sci-fi and fantasy meeting there with a classic you know yeah. with yeah. with a classic skill of a necromancer with a uh i don't know if you want to call it a modern twist in your sci-fi um, yeah yeah that makes it pretty unique right there so, yeah i mean they, they do have the other uh the typical i guess hacker skills they can you know infiltrate systems and they can disable yeah. security or or open a lock if they need to that sort of thing and that's built into their their actual um ports when they're fitted with them so and i correct me if i'm wrong i believe that, i don't believe this is giving anything away but necromancers are pretty rare right Right, like right. There's, there's not very many. So, um, typically, if Matthias wasn't who Matthias was, he'd probably be ranked higher. He probably wouldn't be risked mm -hmm. so often on the battlefield. Um, but because he is basically a, a bit of a criminal, yeah, <laughs> they're 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 punishing him for what he's what he's been doing. So that's fair. <laughs> Don't worry, you guys will love it. Just read it. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so for that fifth one there, so what elements of cyberpunk and fantasy did you mix together and how did you decide on these? 
that is tricky. Uh, as far as the Blackthorn side of things, I basically wanted to take guys that could. Um, uh, I took some ideas from Shadowrun, and it was uh, the the hacker ideas and and that sort of thing. And then I mixed a little bit of the whole, uh, you know, the necromancer idea in with it. Oh, and funny. then as far as um, the pure fantasy stuff, I had this idea uh, started a while ago about uh, a troop of World War II soldiers that were going to stop Nazi witches from enacting a ritual that would have ended. That's awesome. So I never got very far with it. And I, I actually stole the, the witch idea for myself because I like their, uh, their whole insectile and their kind of havoc uh, magic. And um, that's, and then it just kind of mashed together very well because it was this sort of technology versus nature thing. So, mm, yeah. Well, that's really cool. I feel like you also need to, to write that story too, because I would I would read that like even if it's just a short story like on Kindle Bell or something like that sounds amazing. Oh, <laughs> sounds I, think really I, cool. I think I have like twenty percent of it written, and I just I I hit a spot when it was like I I ex I actually killed three quarters of the cast, and then I wasn't sure what to do. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those things I got to go back to and maybe rewrite from the beginning. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't say I. It's funny that it's funny that you mentioned that because that's like where um. I just recently, I was just like, oh my gosh, like costs, like we just put in a new furnace. So my whole cost for 2023 and 2024 for books is like totally gone. Yeah. Um, so I was like, well, now I got to drum some, some money up <laughs> and we just had a baby. So I um, was talking to my buddy and I was like, he goes, well, what about your Kindle Bella stories? And I was like, yeah, it's true. I was like, I have like, I have set aside like a good portion of this year for um, several of my Kindle Bella stories. He's like, well, you write pretty fast. He's like, you could just do, you know, X, Y, and Z and just, you know, move things around. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was funny that I, it's funny that you mentioned that with, um, you know, getting stuck and stuff. Like I had had certain stories that I was convinced could be books. And now I'm convinced that they're actually episodic short stories that I can turn into anthologies or put on Kindle Bella first. Um, so I just want to mention that to the audience because that's something that I've struggled with recently is this understanding is, you know, and I've had short stories that have turned into novellas or novels, you know, and but I've also I've had to go both ways recently. So it's funny that you mentioned that because I've been rewriting several <laughs> books that I've decided now are supposed to be like episodic short stories. Um, <laughs> so I definitely, definitely, definitely understand that. And sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, like I have this one character. I'm like, why did I not realize he was just a short a bunch of short stories? Like I could have saved myself like the last 14 years of aggravation trying to, you know, cause I knew something cool was there, but I didn't know how to fix it. So I definitely you, understand. You've that. mentioned, um, you mentioned, uh, Fafford and gray mouser and, and a couple, so are these more? Yeah. Than the first three? Yep. Okay. yep. 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 I, Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. So, so two of the characters, like I, you know, cause you feel like you got a couple, well, Paul S. Kemp, like the hammer and the blade, like, if you guys haven't read it, audience, just do it. Paul's amazing, Forgotten Realms author, but his own series is amazing. So he's got this um, priest from the Upper Hills who's like a barbarian, kind of, you know, kind of like Farhad. And then he just took like the Grey Mauser and added a little bit of magic to him and um, mm -hmm. comes up with Nyx and it, it just works. And the two of them have such a great bond, like Farhad and the Grey Mauser. And I'm like, I just, I loved, you know, 
I love both of those characters. I love both Egil and Nyx of his. And I'm like, I really want to do my own. And I came up with a great story for it now for, you know, the first like 12 episodes, quote unquote. Um, uh, I'm re-listening to um, Paul S. Kemp's uh, Discourse in Steel. And Egil and Nyx have this thing happen to a friend of theirs. And then this Thieves Guild attacks them and tries to kill all of them because of what their friend knows. And they're like, you know, sometimes they don't do the greatest things, but they're definitely like chaotic, good like characters. And sure. they go after the Thieves Guild and it's a suicide mission. And I was just like, I've always loved that story in particular, you know, and when you're back, you know, it's classic, right? Heroes, like your back's against the wall right. and, you know, especially the bad, you know, not bad characters, but, the, you know, the morally gray characters decide to take a stand. It's like, who doesn't love that, you know, and right, they do yeah. something for the greater good, you know, and I think that's Farhad and Gray Mauser, you know, to a T. And yeah, I just I love that. So I got these two characters and, you know, it took me a while to figure them out. But I think you'll really like them. And I think the audience will. Um, I finally figured out a way to make them unique and do something uh, a little different with each character, but still have both of those sets of characters in mind. And I think I have them on a on a pretty cool storyline now. So, yeah, oh, I think cool. it'd be really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. But yeah, I, I, you know, a lot of Blackthorn, you know, really made me like reminiscent of a lot of, I mean, I, I don't know if a lot of people in the audience, I don't talk about it that much, but I've talked about it recently. Like I got into sci-fi first um, and then got into fantasy later. I was huge into Star Wars, huge into other sci-fi, like mm -hmm. Star Trek, Sequest. I mean, if it was sci-fi, like I read it, um, you know, and uh, my uncle handed me a lot of like older science fiction books or uh, sci-fi slash fantasy. And I really felt like, you know, there were per some particular books from like the 80s that I had read, um, you know, where it really felt like Blackthorn just had updated some of those like concepts and just made them cool, um, which was really cool. Um, and yeah, but it, it felt like, I guess for the audience, I'm trying to say is like, it felt like a science fiction or cyberpunk, like um, it kind of made me feel like home in the genre again of like science fiction, um, if you want to put it in that realm or cyberpunk, um, which I have really been struggling with um, over the last couple of years. Like I've tried to read, a, go back and read some of, uh, you know, like Larry Niven and stuff like that, but it, it just wasn't what I was craving. Um, and have Black Sword has been, so. Have you read Stormblood? You know what? No. And I'm going to have to get it now because you're like the third person to mention Stormblood it's to me in like so the last good. three weeks. So, oh, it's so good. I have to check that out. Yeah. It's just, you know, I, this is why I like indie fantasy, sci fi, just indie writing in particular, because I feel like, you know, again, traditional markets, I feel like, you know, they have to market the book and sometimes write the book in particular, you know, a certain way. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if, you know, I feel like certain publishing companies wouldn't have let you do certain things, you know, oh, with yeah. your book. And that's those are things that I crave, though. You know, like I, I like Clayton Snyder's version or style of writing with these different things. Cold West was the one in particular. I was like, holy crap, this is so cool. You know, where you mix like Western sci fi and fantasy all in one and made such a cool world. And, you know. I just think that, you know, it is a shame at times that, you know, I try to tell people all the time, I'm like, hey, you should read Clayton. Hey, you should read this, you know, and, um, you know, I think you guys are coming up with just some absolutely amazing ideas. And 
for me, like that, that's Black Thorn. I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, I mean, I wasn't surprised because I've enjoyed everything I've read of yours, but it was, like I said, it just, it pulled me back and got me interested in the sci-fi genre again. And I think that really kind of led me into being able to open up to my own idea because I actually read your first chapter. Um, just so you know, I read your first chapter and then that's when my idea struck um, where my wife got me one of the cooler Joy Toy Warhammer um, oh, figures. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, so between your first chapter and this figure coming, um, I just, it blew my mind. And that's when I started to write my Mech Warriors uh, book, uh, sort of my first sci-fi book. So thank Very you cool. for, <laughs> for helping me out there. Very so cool. it, yeah, it definitely sparked my interest. So um, if you guys are looking for something, you know, um, within those genres that blurs and, you know, captures your, you know, imagination. I would highly recommend Blackthorn here. Uh, so for that sixth question, where did the ghost idea come from and how did you decide that their part within your world building? A um, <clears throat> little bit of two, two things. Uh, the original, the original story with the, uh, the Met callers and all that was going to end with uh, Matthias bringing up a sea of ghosts to uh, take out the antagonist um obviously that isn't something that that ends up really happening uh but i wanted to work in a world where there had been so much combat so much death and so much uh just kind of trauma that these ghosts really don't have anywhere else to go they're they're tied to the mm. earth because of their trauma so mm. um and, and it's it's doubly so in, in like in in blackthorn itself in the barracks i mean the training these guys go through is so violent, so vicious that it's inevitable that some of them are going to die and leave behind. You know, yeah. Spirit. So, hmm. so, yeah, I feel like you. I, I guess the best way I tried to explain to my friend, like River of Thieves and Cold West, was like um, he asked me about your style of writing, and I feel like you just like made a good example of what I was explaining to him. Um, you know, and this is I'm jealous of you for this because I'm trying to get better at this myself with world building. Um, you you layer so well, like it kind of drives me nuts. <laughs> like because I'm like trying to figure out how you do it because you're just like, oh yeah, and like what you just said is like so many layers of world building characterization, you know, and you can add the tech to it where it just makes it so unique. And um, my friend and I talked about this recently um, with several authors, you being one of them, where, you know, we're like, OK, like we really try to study, you know, like how you guys implement your world building and blur the genre at the same time to make a unique story or unique world building. But um, I think with that answer, like, you know, you you just layered so many things together and, you know, they fit so well. And um, yeah, it really I really try to analyze, you know, how you, you know, Mike does it, Rob does it really well. Um, so part of me is really trying to study how you guys do that, um, you know, to make mine more seamless. So I think well, uh, just, for our, you know, our audience, I think, you know, that's one of the things I like about your writing in particular. I feel like you do that so well and it just gets so tight where I just don't feel gaps like maybe some other people or my own writing. So. Yeah, that's the, I mean, that's the goal, but I'll tell you what, um, I don't know how Rob works. Mike basically has a Bible for every bit of world building. He, he writes, I mean, pages and pages of world world building until it basically can't sustain itself and he has to write the book or it is the book yes. by the time he's done. 
I just work off the top of my head for the most part, whatever comes out, comes out. And then I work backwards. So if there's a piece that doesn't fit or, um, you know, if there's something I absolutely need to straighten out, I will grab a piece of paper and I will sketch the idea out until I have it down. But for the most part, 90% of that world building is in my head. So it's just, it's, I find when I sit down and actually plan something to a certain degree, the plan starts to break down as I get the story idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to go back and retcon it anyways. So it's so much easier for me to just write it in and then go back and patch those holes as I find them. Oh, that's interesting. Now you see, I, I think that's been my problem recently is like I like if I just write because I find I find I'm just a better discovery writer um, or, a, you know, and I do like some plans, but I feel like too many plans anchors me down and I, you know, I can't when I teach. Right. I will spend weeks and I'm like, this is how we're going to do this great thing. And then the next day, 20 minutes before school starts, I come <laughs> up with the best idea ever. And then my co-teacher is probably like, oh, this guy, because I have to change it. Cause he's, I'm like, well, which one do you think is better? He's like the new idea. He's like, of course, every time. And I'm like, I know. Right. And I've noticed this about my writing too, is that, you know, it just seeps in. I think having that time, you know, to sleep, you know, just kind of powers my brain or that time to sit. Um, yeah. So I think it really comes down to process. Right. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I've, I have changed my process a little bit. Um, Mike and I, when we wrote Neural Sick Groans, we found that it was easier to write the book when we were planning three chapters at a time instead of just pantsing the whole thing. Yeah. So we would plan three chapters, uh, basically build a loose outline within those plans, write them, and then reevaluate and write the next few chapters or, or plan the next few chapters. Uh, and yeah. we do that three, t- three chapters at a time until the book was done. So that kind of, it, it gave us kind of a hybrid approach where we were pantsing within a framework, I guess. Yeah. 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 That, that worked really well. And it seemed that uh, that book just flew right by when we wrote it. I was going to say, you guys were like quick with that one. I mean, yeah. I felt like you got, I felt like I had talked to you and then you, you know, and then like we, I had interviewed you and then talked to you online about it. And then, you know, I had talked to Mike right after that. And then the next thing I know, like you guys were already done and the book was out. I mean, it was like the snap yeah. of a finger. Yeah. It was quick. Yeah, it was interesting. That's definitely one that like, I, like, I'm really excited to, you know, to go and read because I like both of your styles and I'm really interested to see, you know, how you guys blended them together um, I'm particularly really interested in how you guys did the world building because I like how you guys both world build. So to me, it's like if you have two people that world build really well and write really well, compelling characters and stories, it's like that's got to be like a really great book. I actually just had two friends um, that I uh, was supposed to read it sooner, but, uh, you know, I had stuff going on. So they finished without me. They're like, dude, you got to go check this book out. I'm like, it's on my shelf. I have it. It's on my list. Like I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm really excited about, especially from a, uh, not just a reader standpoint, but especially a writer standpoint. Uh, so for that seventh one there, you, so do, like we talked a little bit earlier, but, uh, do you plan on writing more cyberpunk in the future? Uh, maybe, you know, you talk maybe some in this world, maybe a second Blackthorn, but have you thought about, you know, just writing more in the genre in particular? Or just to yeah, see I've, God, I've got so many books I want to write. Uh, I have, oh, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's Black Blackthorn 2 will eventually happen. Uh, there is another cyberpunk book I have 
outline for the most part and that one is based on it's more traditional cyberpunk it's good it's got more of a noir noir flavor to it and that one was based on the idea of uh kind of humans merging with quantum computers and them being the sort of um oracles just like street oracles and they can take every point of uh they can take every point of data from your life and kind of semi-accurately predict how the the future the parts of your life are going to go oh that's cool so um part of that is like somebody manipulating the entire oracle network to i haven't quite got there yet <laughs> so but yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, to, to complete their plans and and so yeah that's uh but yeah i wanted to do something different than just traditional cyberpunk with hackers and you know futuristic cars and all that and then and i thought this this would be really interesting as far as yeah um you know it's it's not quite magic but it is it's you know this kind of being able to see the future and and then would you it's it's it it, it asks that question of free will versus determinism yeah Um, yeah so it's it's one i'm excited to get to but i am in the middle of something else right now and i uh, it may be the next thing i get to so oh that's really cool I'm just trying to make a list, like a shopping list right now. So you sold me a Blackthorn 2, an Oracle book, Cold West 2, of course, 3, Cold West 4, Cold West 5. <laughs> um, your uh, Nazi hunting witch story. Uh, yeah. Just making sure I, I got it down. I'm going to need another oh, job. Yeah. Some stuff. <laughs> that sounds amazing, though. I mean, you got so many cool ideas right there, just like already, like so many interesting things. I mean, I'm getting like glimpses of Minority Report, Blade Hunter, Runner for that um, with a, you know, your unique twist. So to me, that sounds really, really cool. I feel like you bring up really good, um, really good themes, um, things that I don't tend to think, uh, you know, about, but that I do find interesting. Um, That's, I think, why I liked Cold West so much um, and River of Thieves. So um, you know, for and Blackthorn. Um, so for yeah, for your other cyberpunk to me, like that makes me really excited to see what other themes and questions, you know, that you ask. Um, and you know, some of those sci-fi aspects, those questions that you want to bring up, you know, would you or wouldn't you in that circumstance? To me, that sounds really, really cool. So right. Yep. You sold another one, just you just let me know and I'll give you my credit card information and you'll just go from there. Um right. <laughs> well, it's funny because I did have that conversation recently with a friend. Cause I, I, I just, my friends and I in this like one um, chat, like we just talk a lot about like, you know, like I, I teach history. So, um, and I was uh, doing some Renaissance um, lessons recently for tutoring. Um, so we were talking about the, like the patron system and I, I had asked them that was like tease me. They're like, well, you have these three writers that you would patron, you know, you're one of my three. So I was like, well, who would be yours? And they had some really interesting ones. So it was like we picked all of time kind of thing. Uh, and it was it was pretty interesting. Um, yeah. The kind of, you know, like the people that they came up with. Um, but it kind of made me think, you know, like that sounds like a Clayton story right there. You know, like if you could bring these people back and, you know, have them write you anything, like who would you choose kind of thing? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was trying to explain to them, like, you know, like your style and, um you know, I was like, well, that would be like a type of question, you know, or theme that, you know, like you or Mike or Rob would, you know, explore, um, particularly with like, you know, like cyberpunk or sci-fi. So that's cool. Uh, so 
Obviously, I love Felix. Uh, so for that eight from there, so what process did you and Felix go through to design and come up with such an amazingly cool cover for your cyberpunk sci-fi cover? So it's amazing. It, he did just an amazing job. And uh, it, that was a, kind of a funny thing because I had... I had done my typical thing. I got some stock photography and I got some, you know, stock fonts or whatever. And I mashed them all together and I had sent them to Mike. And uh, apparently Mike had sent it to Felix and Felix's answer was no. And he's like, <laughs> he needs to hire me. So I hired him. And uh, that's, that's what he came up with. And he was, he was super excited because he, he rarely does sci-fi, you know? So yeah, yeah. he, he mostly focuses on fantasy. So he was, yeah, he was, uh, he just did an amazing job. So what when I first saw it, like well, I mean, I, I remember you posted somewhere that that's this was the book you were gonna write. And you know, because I had loved Cold West and your sci-fi elements so much within that story. I was like, oh, this is gonna be so cool. And I was already like really excited. Uh, but then when you said that Felix was doing the cover, I was even more excited. And then when you unleashed it, I was just I literally remember it too, because I was sitting there and at my computer and i was actually upstairs at like and on our like uh, living room desk and my wife walked by like three different times because i was supposed to be working and she was like what are you doing and i was just like staring <laughs> at the cover and i was like this just like makes me think of so many things you know and it really stuck in my head which i think was kind of one of the kernels that made me want to write like a science fiction story um but yeah it was just, it was such a cool cover so i think that yeah I mean, it's a cool cover for, you know, a really cool book. So I, but it's interesting because, you know, I've never once seen Felix, you know, do a cover that doesn't match a book perfectly. Right. Um, well, I was still surprised once I started reading it, you know, how I felt that, you know, he just did such a good job representing visually, which that's what he does. Right. He's, he's amazing. Um, he's yep. my number one favorite, um, you know, because he's able to do that. But I was still so surprised that he was able to match, you know, your, you know, your style, your writing style so well, but then, you know, there's several other covers he's done recently, you know, for some of my friends now. And it's just, it amazes me what he's able to do. It's like, you know, he, he just matches everybody's style so well. It's, it's crazy to me. Well, I always I tease like him. <laughs> I always tease him about it. I'm like, dude, you got to <laughs> save some talent for the rest of us. Felix. Right. Yeah. And he did do a, um, he did do a black and white illustration as well. It's, it's different from the cover. But I'm I'm kind of sitting on it because I'd like to do a hardcover eventually. So, um, yeah. So uh, that that illustration, if everything works out, would be on the interior. So, yeah, definitely going to need one of those. <laughs> I'll, you know, what I'll do is I'll I'll just take that and then I'll I'll give my friend the paperback. That way we can get more copies out there and I can get my, my special edition uh, hardcover. That's awesome. Uh, so we'll go ahead and go with that last one there. Do you have any news updates, promos, or current projects you are working on that you can share with us? Uh, other than, you know, the cyberpunk novel and secret project, uh, right? The secret project. And, and that, that secret project is actually with Fletcher. So, um, oh man, Clayton, now I'm not going <laughs> to sleep tonight. <laughs> I'm going to be like sitting there in my bed, like, like wondering, like, what are all, they all I can tell you right now is that it's at about uh we are at about 90,000 words so we are approaching the end point. Um I think we've probably got another 30 or 40 to go and then we'll be ready for editing and all that but oh, it's exciting. It's it's shaping up fairly well. And um yeah, so that's that's what we got going on right now. 
Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. <laughs> that's really exciting. I love when I get, you know, somebody on like yourself who've had on before who's got a, a secret project, but it's also a Fletcher in it too. Like that's two, two alumni there. So that's just like really exciting. So, well, that's awesome. Well, Clayton, thank you so much for coming on again. It's always a pleasure talking to you, you know, online or, you know, here on Zoom. Um, you know, if there, again, if there's anything, you know, at all I can do to help you out with Blackthorn, get it out there. Like I said, please make sure, you know, you use the Facebook group as much as possible to get it out there. Tag me, send me whatever, email me, whatever. And I will keep trying to get everybody in the world to read Cold West. That way you're forced to write me four or five more in a row. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> hashtag not sorry. Please <laughs> do one more. Um, uh, yeah, but I will be, I do have some reviews for you that will be coming up. Um, Blackthorn, I'm going back doing a Cold West review. Um, going back with Demons, Inc. and River of Thieves. Um just so you know, so before those, actually, by the time this uh, comes out after uh, Labor Day weekend, you're our first one, um, those reviews will already be out. Um, so I will share those with you ahead of time. Uh, but I just want the audience to make sure you go back and check those out here in the description. Please make sure you're checking out Clayton's books and his socials in the description. Uh, you will not be sorry getting any of his books, reading them. Just make sure, as always, you guys are reviewing the products from any of our authors artists um cosplayers blacksmiths will have on by now well which would be kind of cool um so that's going to be our main focus again for season three uh clayton thank you so much you know i hope you guys have a great rest of the evening and as usual i look to you know forward to talking on social media my friend yeah thanks for having me on yeah anytime anytime hopefully we'll get you a fletcher on in the future do a co-author episode or something like that so that'd be really cool yeah it'd be fantastic cool well you have a good rest of the night buddy and i will talk to you later all right you too yeah.